This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Hello and welcome to The Exchange. I'm Jeff Goldfarb, Asia editor at Reuters Breaking Views based in Hong Kong. Every year, Breaking Views gives its best shot at forecasting the trends that will shape business and finance around the world. This year's predictions theme was high anxiety as corporate chiefs, politicians, and investors get nervous about falling valuations, rising interest rates, and growing tension between China and the United States. As part of our predictions exercise, I recently sat down with Joe Tsai, the co-founder and executive vice chairman of Alibaba. Together, we explored the new directions in which his $400 billion e-commerce company is heading, got into the mind of the Chinese consumer, discussed how, or if, the trade war might end, and tried to understand the intense backlash against Chinese telecom equipment maker Huawei. We pick up my conversation with Joe on the topic of a bold pronouncement about the future of Alibaba, by Chief Executive Daniel Zhang, who is taking an even bigger leadership role in the 20-year-old company as renowned Chairman Jack Ma steps back. Give a listen. It's interesting because you talk about Daniel, you know, having the, the sort of the visionary inside him, and he kind of showed it a little bit. In an interview he did recently, he said, if, this is I quote, quoting Daniel, he says, if five years from now Alibaba doesn't have a new main business, we must have made a very big mistake. Mm-hmm. So what is that business? Well, it's only five I, years away. Surely you're on the road. I, uh, I think today we already see the beginnings of some businesses that are, uh, that are being born, if you will. Uh, as you know, we started as an e-commerce company, mo- mostly marketplaces. But today what we talk about is new retail. I think in the next five years, you're going to see the entire retail sector becoming a lot more digitized, meaning that several components. The consumer journey is going to be more digitized. What does that mean? Uh, right now, if you're, you know, you're a store owner, you, 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 know, you, know, you run an operate, store operation, uh, when the consumers walk in, you have no idea whether the same consumer was in the store last week or not. Uh, you have no idea what they purchased a year ago or a month ago. And you have no idea or no way to predict what kind of products to put on the shelf so that you can attract the same consumer to come in next week. But if you have a digitize, if you digitize their entire journey, you know exactly who they are, you know their purchase history and all of that, then that becomes very easy. And you can accomplish that in the offline store context. Uh, so today in, uh, at, at Alibaba, what we're doing is we have both self-operated retail stores in the grocery business. We also enable some of the other uh, retailers uh, to map out, to be able to gain better insight into that consumer journey better data collection, uh, and also analyze and utilize that data. And that's, that's what we mean by digitizing uh, the, the so it sounds, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, based on that, I'm reading that, like, sort of 
the broader retail experience is actually a, a bigger direction. I mean, I know you're in a lot of things, right? You're in, getting into you know, delivery, food delivery, yeah. finance. There's all this, but it sounds like this retail concept is really where where yeah. the North Star is. Well, the retail is a gigantic uh, potential market. Uh, in China, it's a $5 trillion market. So uh, if you can enable retailers to do uh, to increase their sales and also operate more efficiently, uh, that's really, that's, I guess, one of the holy grails that we're going after. The other thing is, uh, when you face enterprises uh, today, uh, a lot of uh, big companies and small companies are all, always looking at their whole cost of operations. Uh, they start with, uh, you know, obviously, you know, their cost of goods, materials, and all of that. But in operating the business, the IT costs are starting to, go out of control. And uh, that's why you now have businesses like cloud computing. Amazon Web Services is extremely successful because uh, the, the uh, industry in the United States have figured out, all the CIOs and CTOs have figured out that outsourcing the IT is a much cheaper and more effective, more efficient solution uh, than uh, doing it in-house. Uh, that hasn't happened in wholesale in China yet, uh, but we think that will happen over the next five, ten years. That's a very interesting direction. And today, uh, you know, the Alibaba cloud business is the leader in China. We have close to 50% market share. And the next uh, ten players in the market add up won't, are, are not as big as us. So uh, we're very excited about that business. That's great. Yeah, I want to talk more about yeah. cloud computing in a bit. I did, but I want to go back to... You did mention, you know, what a great window into the consumer that, that you yeah. as a company have, and it's only getting stronger as you move into these these other retail outlets. And um, it's obviously the question on everyone's mind. You know, um, you know, you cut your own sale. Alibaba cut its sales forecast in November, partly on the back of some macro conditions. Um, Tim Cook scared the bejesus out of everybody um, to start the year uh, because of China and the consu- consumption. The GDP forecasts have come out now. What, I mean, you guys have the best window. Tell, tell us what's going on right now with Chinese consumers. The Chinese consumers are fundamentally uh, still very strong. And that's because over the last 10, 15 years, there have been real growth in income. And there's a high savings rate. So if you look at the typical Chinese household consumer balance sheet, uh, they're in the net cash position uh, as opposed to the net debt position in, in, in the United States. So... Uh, we, we believe that, uh, uh, you know, we always think about the long term. We don't look at the cyclical cyclicality, even though, you know, investors who look at our earnings uh, every quarter might care about it. But we look at the longer term. Uh, I think people get over-worried about China. Uh, Chinese economy is $13 trillion. Uh, at 6.5% growth, uh, China is creating net increase. It's creating two Thailands every year just in the net increase, right? It's a gigantic economy. And the law of large numbers says that, you know, in five years, in 10 years, if the growth rate comes down to maybe 5%, it's not the end of the world. The U.S. economy, $18 trillion, is growing only 3%. Yet Amazon is growing at 20%. So how does that happen, right? So I think people get over-worried about uh, a couple of things. First, about the Chinese economy as a whole, and second, about Alibaba in the context of the Chinese economy, I just said Amazon grows 20% a year while the U.S. economy grows 3, 3% a year. Uh, there's, there's definitely a, a separation 
of the companies that are able to operate uh, in good and bad environments, uh, I, I, and I think Alibaba is one of them. If you look at the longer term, the, you know, look at the Chinese economy, it, it's 1.3 billion people with about 300 million people in the middle class. And over the last 20 years, this population, in terms of improvement in their lifestyle, improvement in, in, in everything, has grown. When I started Alibaba in 1999, GDP per capita was $800. Today, it's over 9000 Okay, So over the last 20 years, GDP per capita in China has gone up 10x. And that's, I don't think you can find another country with that kind of scale, with that kind of consistent GDP per capita growth. In the next 20 years, is China's GDP per capita going to be higher or lower? I think it's going to be higher. When you talk to uh, young people on the streets in China and you ask them, are you going to have, do you think you'll have a better life than your parents, um, better opportunities than your parents? The answer is yes. So we see a lot of optimism in, in the young people. But as you, but you, know, you clearly, I mean, you're focused long term, and I think your investors appreciate that mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. But you, I mean, and I'm not talking about a quarter to quarter thing, but if you see a trend that's moving in a way that's scaring people, right, right now, investors about China, I mean, that clearly has to affect your, I mean, you set the strategy, you help set the strategy of the company. It has to set, determine where your pools of capital are going, how much is going out, where, I mean, maybe it's a buying opportunity. I don't know, but like, Talk to me about like two to three year window rather than a quarter window or a 20 year window. I think in this <clears throat> environment, every uh, company is going to be uh, a little bit more conservative uh, when it comes, comes to allocating capital and, and expanding into new businesses and things like that. Uh, uh, in, in this kind of an uncertain environment, uh, it favors uh, companies that have strong foundations that have built uh, uh, fundamental technology and also the people infrastructure to capture the opportunity. So for, for Alibaba, we see this as an opportunity. Of course, we're going to be selective. We're going to be disciplined in some cases, uh, but aggressive in, in other cases. I think in the areas where we feel we, we want to invest, we will continue to invest very aggressively. Okay. You mentioned also um, you know, the, the, the strength and the anticipating the WTO ascension, how big that was. The trade story is quite a bit different now. How, how much of that is affecting um, China's economy, the sentiment of the Chinese consumer? Um, talk to me about your perceptions, your views about the, the, what's going on in the trade war right now. The trade war is affecting everybody globally. Uh, I think the global economy is going to slow down because of the trade war, China included. So it's not good for anybody. Uh, obviously, we think that it, it is going to affect consumer sentiment. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, when, when we look at our internal data, uh, even though the, the consumer durables, the large ticket items, have slowed down, like car sales, clearly, you know, I think there's negative growth in car sales in the fourth quarter, uh, it, you know, reported by the uh, overall you know, uh, statistic bureau. But uh, the consumer staples, uh, FMCG products, apparels, continue to be strong. In fact, we've actually seen um, a, an uptick in December uh, from the prior prior couple of months, so uh, it, it, it's 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 very interesting. We we don't think there is a uh, an overall sort of gloom and doom uh, scenario. People are sentiment wise, I think, are tending to be a little bit more conservative. 
uh, but it's not a disaster scenario. I think going forward, you talk about the next two to three years, but in the next six months, I think what people want to see is uh, policies coming out of the government uh, that will be conducive to consumer spending. Uh, historically, China has you know, tried to boost the economy through investments. Obviously, export had been a huge engine, but that's not obviously going to go, go in the other direction, uh, not just because it's a trade war. The, the trade deficit between China and the United States was structurally correct uh, naturally over the next 10 years. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But historically, China has been using investments as a way to boost the economy. Um, but uh, I think consumption is going to, be, is, is going to uh, lead uh, the, the growth over the next 5 to 10 years. And uh, it, a lot of that will depend on what the messaging is from the government. Uh, my personal view is that in the old days of uh, you know, just turning on the liquidity and using monetary policy to grow the economy, that's not going to work because there's actually a lot of capacity being built up in China already. Uh, so I think the, uh, the, the place to focus on uh, is fiscal policy, specifically cutting taxes. Cutting taxes for small business and cutting tax for individuals. And uh, uh, put, put money into people's pockets so they can start to spend. So you think you think we need to see more stimulus because the stimulus, yeah, fiscal stimulus. I think I think that will be a big help. Fiscal stimulus uh, in a form of tax cuts. How do you how do you think this trade war will end, or will it? It won't. It's not a trade war. As I said, the trade deficit between China and the United States will structurally correct itself because of the 300 million consumers in China that want to buy from all over the world, including the United States. Uh, so President Xi Jinping in, the, uh, the, uh, in November talked about over the next 15 years, China is going to import $30 trillion of goods and $10 trillion of services. That's a gigantic number. So, so that deficit, will, the trade problem will take care of itself. The real issue is there is an effort uh, by the United States, the current administration, uh, to contain the rise of China. And that's a long-term problem. That's not a short-term issue. So you don't see the, the trade war as it's not really about tariffs. It's not really about it's it's about this. It's about containing it, it might China. have started. Uh, President Trump might have started it as uh, focused on uh, uh, the trade deficit itself, and therefore using tariffs to try to correct it. But I think it's you know over the course of the last I would say nine months. It was blown into a, a much bigger uh, anti-China um, problem. Does that worry you? It, it worries everybody. Um, it it's not only it worries worry you. It not, of course, it worries. <laughs> okay. me. It not only worries me and everybody in China, but also everybody in the United States. If there's bad relations between China and the United States, uh, these are the two largest economies in the world. Are so symbiotic. And if relationships are bad, then the global economy is going to suffer. So even, I mean, I guess even I want to ask a little bit more about the United States because, notwithstanding the trade war, it was I think it's been about a year since um, Ant Financial's attempt to buy MoneyGram was basically shot down. Is the United States closed for you, for Alibaba, for Ant Financial right now? I think the the CFIUS review process is uh, made it very difficult for. Uh, Alibaba and other Chinese companies to uh, make investments in the United States. So, so, so for the time being, uh, we have to look at other parts of the world, and uh, you know that's life. 
<laughs> you had a, a plan of some kind, like with not just MoneyGram, but other strategic initiatives, and you've now kind of reallocated like well, first capital of all, to different well, places, parts of the world. With the, if you look at the last five years, the, the capital that Alibaba and also fa- and Financial have allocated to M&A have mostly over 90% inside China. So the, the non-China component is, is really at the margin, uh, uh, you know, not at the core, but we, we, we use those acquisitions to complement some parts of our business. And because of the MoneyGram experience and, and because of the new CFIUS uh, regime, it's pretty clear that those uh, alternatives are, are, are shut off now. The other component of this, this, all this tension, you know, trade conflict, deals being shut down, CFIUS. You know, the other piece of this is what's, what's happening with Huawei. And I wonder if, given all of it put together, this containment strategy, do you fear that there is a, the, the time could come when the United States and maybe even a lot of other parts of the world think about Alibaba in the same way that they are now starting to think about Huawei? You know, as a, a senior executive in, in a company, you, you have to assess all risks. Although that may be a possibility, what Alibaba is doing in the United States is to help small businesses and farmers so that Chinese consumers can buy more from them uh, to enable them to sell on our platform. I don't see how that could become a reason for the U.S. government to target us. And uh, I think there are a lot of things that Alibaba does and also our financial business where we're promoting uh, a lot of uh, initiatives that are inclusive uh, and financial uh, their whole mantra is to uh, bring about inclusive finance uh, to uh, uh, serve the underbanked and unbanked population. So all of these things are, uh, I think, positive for the world, and it would be very, very difficult for um, an American government to f- find reasons to try to shut yeah, us I out. Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point on that. I, mean, I, I would suppose that Huawei would say they're in the business of trying to provide affordable components to connect the world and uh, make everybody communicate together better too, um, in much the same way that you're saying that you've. So, I, I just don't know in the current yeah. climate how. I mean, obviously there don't, don't seem sure. to be any signs of a backlash against Alibaba in that sense. But it, you know, you talk about containment, and Alibaba's as big as it gets when it talk when talking about containing China. Yeah, I, look, I, I think I, I think it, what the American government and and to, together with uh, you know the the, their, the Five Eyes Alliance. Uh, what they're trying to do with Huawei is uh, a little bit unfair. Uh, there's definitely a political agenda behind it. Uh, but there's a d- distinction between a product company and a service company. We're mainly a service company that is trying to help constituents in the Western world to access China, right? That's a very, very different scenario. It's easy to say, oh, you make a product, it's not safe. You know, that's unfortunately, Huawei falls into that category. Um, uh, but again, having s- said that, I, I think. It's extremely unfair to Huawei, and uh, uh, it's uh, very politically motivated. Our thanks to Joe Tsai for gazing into his 2019 crystal ball with us. And thank you for listening. You can watch our complete talk with Joe, which covered Alibaba's investments in Ant Financial, the South China Morning Post, and bike-sharing company Ofo, and much more at breakingviews.com. The Exchange is produced by Sharon Lamb. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out on Twitter, at Breaking Views. Until the next episode of The Exchange, this is Jeff Goldfarb in Hong Kong. 
This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.